This is Unladylike. I'm Kristen. Today's episode would not be possible without two seemingly unrelated things that happened all the way back in 1840. And don't worry, we're not going to stay there long. That year, America's first dental college was opened and the first U.S. patent for a little invention called the camera was filed. And guess who filed that camera patent? A dentist. (laughs) Nearly 200 years later, we are living in the Venn diagram of those two events. The ubiquity of cameras and the celebrity culture they made possible has us so teeth conscious that earlier this year, an article in Registered Dental Hygienist magazine, I am not making that up, warned that smile dysmorphia is on the rise. Smile dysmorphia, yeah. As in patients coming in with totally healthy teeth, excellent periodontium, Convinced they need more drastic interventions like cosmetic veneers and gum contouring. Teeth whitening or orthodontia, that can brighten and straighten teeth, but these days that is baseline. To achieve perfect teeth by today's standards, you're going to need some fake ones. Social media and cheaper veneers have definitely played a huge role in our collective oral fixation, But American culture has been selling us aspirational teeth for ages. Cosmopolitan magazine, which, of course, is found right next to Registered Dental Hygienist magazine. Cosmo, in 1956, in one of its issues, dedicated four pages to an article headlined, Dental Cosmetics, Now Your Teeth Can Be Made Beautiful. Cosmo told the story of a woman named Jane who rarely smiled. Jane was socially awkward. Jane couldn't land a higher-paying job because Jane was plagued with, quote, an unsightly hodgepodge of teeth. Jane had, however, managed to land a man. And with her wedding approaching, Jane sprang for today's equivalent of a full set of veneers. And yes, it was expensive, but Jane didn't care because thanks to her new chompers, she landed a new job and a raise. Although this was 1956 and Jane might have been forced right out of that job once she married, but y'all, let's not tell Jane. She's been through enough. A mouthful of mid-century veneers doesn't sound aesthetically pleasing, I gotta say, but Jane and her teeth were ahead of their time. Today, even if her great-grandchildren didn't inherit her unsightly hodgepodge, I guarantee there are cosmetic dentists out there ready to sell them veneers. And for only one to four grand a tooth. Today's guest, Jessica Goldstein, is the reason why I have fallen down this toothy rabbit hole, which does sound like a euphemism for vagina dentata. I devoured her recent Washington Post feature, Have You Noticed That Everyone's Teeth Are a Little Too Perfect? To which I said, Yes, Jessica, I have! I'm Jessica Goldstein. I am a freelance reporter. I cover all things culture. So movies, music, TV, families, relationships, dating, 
weird internet phenomena and language. And I love to write about the things that all of us are obsessed with and find out why we're obsessed with them. And I love to think really seriously, possibly too seriously, about the things that many of us only consume or think about casually or consider to be sort of frivolous. I want to ask you a question that I don't think I have ever asked anyone before. What is your relationship? <laughs> what is your relationship with your own teeth? Oh, great question. It's so funny you ask that because I had braces as a kid. And even when I had braces, I felt pretty good about my teeth. Like, you know how sometimes when kids have braces, they only smile like lips over mm -hmm. the teeth? I was like full metal mouth, like big smiling all the time. I've always felt, it's not a part of my appearance that I've ever felt self-conscious about. And then when I, I thought I was bulletproof going into reporting this story. And then everywhere I went in LA, when I was talking to cosmetic dentists, they were all like complimentary and nagging me at the same time where they were like, those are, are those your natural teeth? They're beautiful. We could whiten them for you if you want. I was like, oh, okay. Um, actually you can't, that's a gift. So you're not allowed to do that, but, um, cool. It's good to know that I should. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, that's funny. I never had braces, but my older sister did and when I was little, I was very jealous of her. Like, I wanted braces. Really? Because, like, her rubber bands, like, all the different sizes or whatever, all had different animals on them. So, like, some were, like, penguins, and others were, like, little tigers. So I was like, I want braces and cool animal-coated <laughs> rubber bands. She was like, you really don't want this, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Gra wow. Do you like your teeth? Have you always had a good, well, um, I don't know, relationship with your smile? You know, I, like, I'm, I'm mm. fine with my teeth. Um, one of the deepest compliments I've ever gotten was when my dentist told me I had a good bite. <laughs> so I was like, thank you. Okay. <laughs> oh Someone in a position to know. <laughs> and a dentist has also told me, given me the, like, nice bite. Also, we could whiten those. Um <laughs> And I don't really think about them all that often. But segueing into your reporting, I was so excited to read your piece because I had been recently catching myself when I was watching like older TV or movies enamored with especially if it was like kind of like a leading lady type who had what we would today consider kind of fucked up teeth, tobacco stained or not all straight yes. in a row. Also as an over consumer of Bravo content, you know, I'm very much see the veneers. So I was like, oh my God, this reporter is like inside my brain and explained everything <laughs> for me. Thank you. <laughs> but Oh, that's fantastic. What though got you thinking about celebrity teeth and these perfect veneer teeth? Very similar to your experience. I was re-watching Clueless for like the 10 millionth time. And I was struck by how in that movie, Cher Horowitz is presented to us as 
the paragon of beauty. And she is. And so much of the style of that movie is back in fashion. The 90s blowout, the strappy little dresses. But her teeth are totally ordinary. She has like a real person's pretty smile. And I just thought if you made this movie today, she would have veneers. She would not, she would not have left her natural teeth alone. And Paul Rudd too, it's before he... I don't know. I shouldn't say that he got veneers. But if you look at that movie, you'll notice that his teeth look very um, ordinary. And I was really struck by how quickly, because Clueless is not, we're not talking about like an ancient artifact. Yeah. Like how in just, you know, that one generation, the beauty standard has shifted to a place where what was once considered a pretty unusual thing to do has become as standard a part of the become a celebrity assembly line as coloring your hair, losing weight, all the things that we know that many people seeking fame do. What kinds of big questions did you have maybe going into your reporting? Like, how did you set out putting the story together? The first sort of question was just, how did we get to a place where something that is expensive, difficult, not cost-free in terms of your health even, has become so, normal is such a tricky word, but has become so standard that it's almost invisible to us. And I knew that I wanted to do like some time with the dentists who are like the practitioners. So I wanted to hear about their side of the story. In the beginning, it was like a much wider net of who I thought I might want to talk to. Like for a while, I thought, oh, I really need to talk to like an aspiring influencer who got their teeth done. Like I thought that was going to be an important piece. And then it turned out I didn't really need that. Or I thought, oh, I should try to talk to people who famously did not get their teeth done. I should try to talk to Kirsten Dunst or Ethan Hawke. And then the more reporting I did, the more I realized like, oh, this is really a story about a standard of beauty evolving. It's less about any individual person's choices and more about the zoom out of like, what does it do to all of us as ordinary people going about our lives who do not necessarily work in the entertainment industry or appear on screen in any way? How are we affected by this broader shift that's happening among celebrities? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
So what does that tooth dental beauty standard look like? Well, one of the people I talked to for this story, another Jessica, Jessica DeFino, who writes this excellent newsletter called The Unpublishable about the beauty industry. And she has a really rigorous approach to talking about this stuff. And one of her themes is that the beauty norm has become increasingly inhuman. If you think about beauty in its almost, by the purest definition, it's nature, right? It's like something that happens almost spontaneously and it cannot be acquired. Like you can't really buy it. And that we've reached this place where the beauty standard has become something that even a quote unquote naturally beautiful person still doesn't have. Like it still requires going out and getting something done to you. It requires engaging with capitalism. It requires losing part of what makes you unique and adhering to a norm that is more commonplace. And it requires constant upkeep. Once you buy in, you have to continually buy in. One of the things that I hadn't thought about until I reported this story is that it's not like you get veneers and then you're done getting veneers. It's not like rhinoplasty, where I, as I understand it, you, you do that once and then that's your nose unless you want to change it. You get veneers, they don't last forever. So you're signing up for every 15 years or so, getting veneers again and again and again and shaving away a little bit more of your natural tooth, which will never grow back. And that's not to say that no one should ever do this. But it's fascinating to me that something that that does cause damage and that costs thousands and thousands of dollars is now considered so necessary, even for people who, again, we would have already considered beautiful and who in a movie in the 90s would not have done anything to their teeth. And what are what are the teeth that they're getting? Like, what what's the look? Part of what's so fascinating about this is... The look used to be more obviously fake. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing with teeth what we're seeing with other beauty standards, in part because beauty standards always have to be changing because if they stayed the same, you could be done shopping. Right. So beauty standards always have to move. And people who want to convey to the world that they are part of an elite group have to have something that nobody else can have. So once something becomes available to the masses, the standard has to move so that people who are special don't look like everybody else. So much like with makeup, where no makeup, makeup, and and skincare instead of makeup has now become the is sort of the current gold standard. With veneers, it's the same in that it's an oxymoronic goal. You are trying to get something that looks real, like quote unquote real, except by definition, it does not look real because no one already has those teeth. So it's the closest thing to perfect and real that you could get that you that you would never be born with, that you would never even achieve just through like orthodontia. It's very similar to like the messy bun that looks perfect. I was thinking about the scene in Normal People, you know, where she's like supposed to be ugly because she still has bangs or whatever and she's in high school. And it's like the most beautiful, ethereal, messy bun you've ever seen in your life. Like, it can't actually be messy. It is that. It is the no makeup, makeup, messy bun of veneers where 
in theory, you wouldn't even notice that they're veneers, except I think viscerally a part of you recognizes that there is something not quite human about it because humanity, by definition, contains imperfections. That also leads to the question of what do we even mean by perfect if it if perfect is inhuman? Well, I think there's something about the introduction of social media into our lives where we're all documenting ourselves constantly. I think about this a lot where it's like how to look cute, like cute pajamas, cute workout clothes. And it's like, is there, can I have 10 minutes where I don't have to look cute? And the answer is apparently no, because you could theoretically be documenting yourself at any time. And I think veneers are a part of this. A lot of cosmetic interventions are a part of this. It's the idea that in order to have no bad angles, like for every photograph of you to look as perfect as possible requires a kind of inhumanity of you. Because again, real people, sometimes you're like laughing and your face looks weird or sometimes you're sweaty or sometimes you're tired. The fact that we all have social media now and we all have access to information about how celebrities do things, rather than liberating us from trying to be like them, it has imposed on us the expectation that we will be like them. Well, based on your reporting, who besides celebrities and reality stars are springing for veneers? Like, who is aspiring for this standard? Part of what is um, quite telling about this facet of the cosmetic uh, industrial complex, and it doesn't make it unique from other forms of cosmetic intervention, is that the majority of practitioners are male. Most denti- Cosmetic dentistry is not a recognized um, specialty by like the ADA, but people market themselves right, as cosmetic dentists. Most of them are men. But most of the people seeking this treatment, seeking these interventions are female. And it's a really interesting relationship between provider and patient when the power dynamic is you are a woman seeking a change to your appearance to be more appealing to others. And the person who is your collaborator in achieving that appearance is a man who will then get to, in part, dictate for you what it means to be beautiful based, in part, inevitably, on his own preferences. That segues me perfectly to Kevin Sands, the self-described Rolls-Royce of cosmetic dentistry. At one point, he tells you, everybody wants Kim Kardashian's teeth. Which was kind of news to me. I mean, not surprising, but was kind of news to me because I just never really thought that much about Kim K's teeth. So is this a similar effect to, like, the BBL of it all? It feels like a similar kind of beauty standard establishment happening. I think what the Kardashians, sort of their role in popular culture is they're sort of this nexus point between celebrity and civilian. Even though they are mega celebrities, there's something about once they do the thing, their brazenness about whatever it is that they're doing, it takes the, it it sort of takes the mystery out of it 
And then it's it becomes like very matter of fact. Like, of course I'll do this. I mean, some of the other celebrities who I talk about in the article have never discussed getting veneers and probably never will. And part of their brand is such that it wouldn't really work if they copped to doing that. Or their fans get really angry if you insinuate, despite quite clear photographic evidence that they've done that. But I think with Kim, it's almost like she... It's like she sees as her purpose in this life to be the magazine tear out that you can take to every appointment and like treat her body like a shopping mall and be like, that's the hair that I want. Those are the lips that I want. It's kind of like dystopian Mr. Potato Head. (laughs) Um, So if young women are, what are the long-term effects? Yeah, I mean, I should just say I am but a humble English major. You know, I'm not a woman in STEM, but the dentists who I talked to, I talked to Dr. Sarah Han, who has this very popular TikTok account called Veneer Check, where she looks at these really up-close photos of celebrities and kind of analyzes their teeth over time and makes an educated guess as to whether or not they have veneers. And she was the person who said to me that you will have to tend to them forever and that Every time you add a veneer, like you are damaging a tooth, which doesn't mean that you should never do it. There are people for whom veneers can heal their bite. There are, I talk about this in the story, many, many Americans who don't have access to dental care for most of their lives. And so by the time they reach adulthood, their teeth are in a state where they're sort of beyond repair and a veneer is like the best option. But for people who are getting what I guess we could consider like recreational veneers, like not not medically necessary veneers. Yeah, you're damaging your teeth every time you get one. A veneer just goes over the front surface of your tooth, which will need to be shaved down from 0.5 to 1 millimeter. Or you can get, they're colloquially all referred to as veneers, but if you get one that goes all the way around the tooth, that's actually a crown. Once you prep a tooth for a veneer, once you do that, you have to wear a veneer on that tooth forever. And you can only do that to a tooth so many times before essentially you really risk damaging the nerve inside of that tooth. And as Dr. Han, this is how she said it to me, we're talking about a finite quantity of material. At some point, the tooth is just not going to be strong enough to hold whatever you want to put on top of it. It will snap. And one that you might have seen on TikTok um, is this, they're called turkey teeth because a lot of people travel to Turkey to get their teeth done and they shave the tooth down to like this little nub which is extremely damaging you've removed all the enamel from your tooth you're very close to the dentin you're close to the nerve um i think even people i think i don't know how common that is i think it's obvious that that is like quite a damaging procedure to do but most of us are willing to damage ourselves in the name of beauty you know most people are willing to dye their hair. Most people are willing to get a suntan. Lots of things that we do in pursuit of the illusion of physical health comes at the expense of our actual health. Like diet culture. Yeah. It's like all part of the same mindset that it is more valuable and important to appear as if you are healthy and beautiful than to actually be healthy. Right. Which is kind of ironic, too, because I feel like 
you know, the big qualifier for these kinds of interventions is, well, it makes me feel good. I will feel good about myself. You know, one of the things I had to cut for space was an interview I did with a professor named Claire Chambers, who wrote this book called The Unmodified Body. And she writes about how it has become a radical act to have an unmodified body, to go on a first date or a job interview without wearing any makeup, for instance. Shouldn't be radical. That's like our default setting. But I think a lot of us would feel self-conscious, right, doing that. And one of the things that she talked to me about is people say often doing XYZ makes me feel better about myself. She's like, the, the research does not bear that out. The research would indicate that it's much more of an if you give a mouse a cookie situation where one intervention makes you want the next, makes you want the next. You know, of course, the sort of response, the place where people get the data that it actually makes people feel better is often from like the dentist's office itself. And patients are inclined to report positively on an experience that they just had, that they just spent a lot of money on to the person who provided that service. But it's complicated because I certainly don't mean to say that I know how people feel more than they do. I think that there are people who feel better. To me, the question is more, why, why do we continue to create and live in a society in which it is intolerable to exist as less than physically perfect? Why do we need to do X, Y, Z to feel better? Like, why does it grease the wheels of your life so much to look that way? Like, I know that it does, but I, I wish that we could, like, push it a little bit further to reject that entirely. So what then is hotness creep? Hotness creep. Thank you for asking me about this. Hotness creep is something that I have been thinking about for a long time. And then this story really brought it to the forefront. Hotness creep to me is about this phenomenon where our standard of what not just people are supposed to look like, but literally everything around us is supposed to look hot, not beautiful with all of the sort of natural imperfections that that implies, not sexy, which is about, you know, a kind of messiness and a rawness being really alive but is really about a sort of clinical capitalist sameness that stands as hot to the eye, mostly because it adheres to an established pattern, not even because it's particularly appealing. In some cases, it's actually like less appealing. Like if you've ever looked at too many photos of these celebrities and they all start to look like the same exact person. Um, hotness creep is kind of like uh, this... It's the endless, relentless optimization, so-called optimization of ourselves and of our spaces that results in a world that is frictionless, bland, and not quite human. Where do you think that is coming from of like, you know, kind of getting to this bigger question of why are we culturally investing so much in all of this sameness? I have a lot of theories about this. One is that it's, I write this in the story, it's an algorithmic tug toward sameness. And as more and more of us are spending more time online and our decisions about what our apartments should look like, what clothing we should wear, how we should be styling our hair, are we 
parting it on the side or in the middle? All these like very sort of silly questions. We are being drawn by an algorithm toward everybody having the same answer, regardless of who we are, where we live, what we like, um, what culture we're from. Everything, it's kind of this like globalization feeling. It's the same way that now when you travel to anywhere in the world, if you have an iPhone, you can essentially live as if you have never left your your native city or country. It's kind of about risk aversion. I think a lot of the draw toward hotness creep is it's ironic because in theory, you're doing it to attract attention and be appealing. But I think it's really more about a fear of standing out and a desire to stay in line and to do everything right. Because this is kind of a galaxy brain take, but we we have created a world in which there's really no tolerance for failure and people live really close to the margins. And so there's this sense of if you risk anything and you are not you're not doing everything right, there's no safety net to catch you, right? Like if you don't adhere to kind of the standard of beauty and you don't attract a partner, you will never have enough money to buy a house. You won't be able to get your health insurance through somebody else if you lose your job. You won't you won't be accepted in society. It's all like this fear-based thing that I think ultimately exists to keep people sort of compliant and in line and to keep us out of touch with who we really are, which would result in us rejecting a lot of these capitalist enterprises that other people currently profit from. Um, So I think that there is something very insidious about it, even though, again, as like an individual, there are plenty of things that are hotness creep related that I do that I think a lot of us do. And it's not because we agree with the sentiment behind it. It's just really hard as one person to reject that messaging all of the time. If Kirsten Dunst were on the come up today, would she have her same teeth? Kirsten Dunst is a great example in that every other thing about her does adhere to the standard. She's so beautiful. She's blonde. She, if you picture her like body as a teenager in the virgin suicides and bring it on, she looked the way that people wanted her to look. And if you do that, you're allowed to have one little quirky thing about you. Mm. And especially if you're white, if you're white and you're thin, your teeth are allowed to be like charming in a way. You're allowed to have like a little gap between your teeth. Like I think Elle Fanning looks like she has her natural teeth. I could be wrong about that. She's gorgeous. She's like tall and thin and blonde. And so she's, it's like she's allowed to be human because she's done all the other things right. Or like an Anya Taylor-Joy. Like you're allowed to kind of, you get like wiggle room when you already adhere to a lot of the standards. And if you don't already adhere to to a lot of the standards, there's more pressure to change some of these other things. So I do kind of feel like it's possible that Kirsten Dunst, if she were coming up today, would be like on the Florence Pugh track of like an A24, Sofia Coppola girly mm-hmm. who's interesting and doesn't have to, she doesn't have to look like everyone else because people still think she's beautiful. What do perfect teeth, in quotes, 
signify as well beyond aesthetics? Like, are they also kind of a status symbol? 100%. I mean, teeth are, they exist in this kind of middle space, sort of like our skin and our hair, where it's about beauty and health. And those two things are very easily conflated in like these particular arenas. So you're talking about people making snap judgments about a person based on their teeth, thinking that they are making a judgment about someone's essentially character. I think that teeth often carry this weight of, are you clean? Are you responsible? Are you disciplined? Are you, are you taking care of yourself? Even though 70 million Americans live in areas with dentist shortages, only half of American adults with private health insurance also have dental insurance. And according to this 2020 survey by the CDC, nearly 25% of adults with dental coverage did not see a dentist in 2019. And dental care is not covered by Medicare. So teeth, in a way, are one of these, it's one of these last frontiers where it's very difficult to cosplay as wealthy if you're not. Mm. Whereas you can like wear makeup and pretend to have access to great dermatologists, even if you don't. And you can find like the dupe for the expensive outfit on Amazon. But it's really hard to pretend to have great teeth when you don't. You have to like buy your way out of having quote unquote bad teeth. So they are like our skin and like our hair, a really big class signifier beyond most other beauty standards, even beyond weight. And why do you think that is then specifically for teeth? There's an essay now, I feel like maybe from like 10, 15 years ago by the writer Sarah Smarsh called Poor Teeth about growing up in rural poverty, not having access to great dental care and dealing with trying to ascend in, in the world through through all the things that we tell people in America, you can ascend by studying hard, by working hard, by saving money, and how teeth and carrying the teeth of your past poverty with you can hold you back because people will make judgments based on those teeth. I do think it's something that for people who are in a socioeconomic class where getting braces was just like a rite of passage, where you had the luxury of complaining about having braces, where you had the luxury of forgetting to wear your retainers or losing your retainer in the cafeteria trash can because you had to take it out to eat and then your parents buy you a new retainer. Absolutely, there is a sense of, I almost want to call it healthy entitlement because we should all feel entitled to healthcare. Um, but of course, not everybody has access to that. So for people who did, yeah, it's kind of an invisible luxury. Like you don't even think about like, oh, I don't have to be self-conscious in this interview that someone's going to look at my teeth and think that I don't belong here. You mentioned earlier how beauty standards must always be changing and evolving. It's a moving target because capitalism. So when it comes to teeth, what, can, what could be post-perfect teeth? <laughs> yes, I think we're sort of at the beginning of post-perfect teeth in that we're still seeing a lot of celebrities who shall remain nameless, but think about maybe some of the most famous people on the face of the earth whose teeth are perfect in a way that draws attention to that perfection, like they are noticeably perfect. 
And I think what we're starting to see is a movement toward deliberately fake flaws. It's like people like using makeup to draw on freckles uh-huh. or, you know, again, like the messy bun is another great example of this where it's smudgy eyeliner. Like, I think that's where we're going with teeth. It will still not be enough to just leave your teeth alone. The same way that like I have naturally curly hair and I see all these TikTok tutorials for how to get perfect, natural looking curls. And even girls with naturally curly hair sometimes do those processes because the goal is to have something that is actually only attainable through intervention. Like that's how all these beauty trends work. So I think it won't be about like, oh, no one wants veneers anymore, but it will be about making it harder and harder to tell that it's not a real tooth. It will asymptotically approach reality, but never quite touch it because it will still need to be out of reach for real people. It is. And now I'm just imagining like future TikTok trend of like, like a blacked out tooth or something, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Or people getting veneers with like a slight chip in them to add character. It's sort of taking everything that we're supposed to just innately have and purchasing it, which is part of, I don't want to put too much on the Kardashians, but they they at least exemplify it, even if they are not like the creators of it, of sort of treating your body, your physical self as just like a rough draft. And you're able to kind of go out and choose. I want the nose that people who are descended from that culture would have. I want the lips that people of that group would have. I want the teeth from that and sort of like a -a Build-A-Bear situation for our own faces, which again, removes us from who we really are and makes us all look more interchangeable. And, And I would say that it's really bleak and depressing, but one of the things that I'm heartened by is the fact that like we're having this conversation. So many of, I usually don't read the comments, but so many of the comments on this story were incredibly thoughtful. I think there's a lot of really thoughtful rejection of these norms happening down on the ground as well. And even as celebrities continue to perpetuate these standards and norms, there's also, I think, a growing movement among people who are who are not charmed by that and who are trying to resist it in our own lives. I just never I never knew the depths of teeth. Neither did I. I mean, I had a feeling about it, but that's what's so much fun about reporting something like this is you kind of press on the surface of it and there's so much, there's so much going on there. Okay, and ladies, talk teeth to me. Have you noticed all those piano keys on Hollywood red carpets too? Have you struggled with your teeth? What do good or bad teeth mean to you? Ugh, I could talk about teeth for hours. Hello, AdamLadyLike.co is where you can send me your emails or voice memos, just attach a voice memo. You can also DM me on Instagram at UnladylikeMedia. Go read Jessica's Washington Post feature. Have you noticed everyone's teeth are a little too perfect? I now want to go back and take a scroll through the comments. You can also follow Jessica on Twitter at Jessica Golds or visit her website, JessicaMGoldstein.com. 
To hear more five-star interviews, join the Unladies Room Patreon. I recently talked to pelvic floor physical therapist, Dr. Kara Strauss, who blew my mind. Y'all, I had really been taking my own undercarriage muscles for granted. <sighs> Patreon.com slash unladylikemedia is where you can go join and support Unladylike directly for $5 a month. You can also follow Unladylike on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Unladylike Media. Unladylike is an Unladylike Media production, executive produced, hosted, written, and edited by me, Kristen Conger. Mixing and mastering is by Multitude Productions. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Until next week. What is the most unladylike thing about you? I travel alone a lot. Ooh. Like I went on a big, I did my first like big international, like just for fun trip by myself last year on my own. And it felt very, if not unladylike, it felt like something that I had been told somehow by society that I would not be able to do or shouldn't do. Yeah. And then doing it was the most incredible, like liberating experience of my life. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that absolutely qualifies. Everyone should do it. Where did you go? Okay. I went to Greece. Ooh. I went for like the full... Mamma Mia experience on Crete. Oh my God. And it was magnificent. Ugh. I just like read the Ferrante novels and drank wine at lunch and flirted with strangers and like learned about history and it was amazing. <laughs>